Hey there, this is Alec again, host of the UXR podcast. Today, I'm going to be speaking to Dr. Jesse Thomas, who is a senior design researcher at Xbox. We talk about her story, naturally, which we do every time we do one of these. Um, But one of the really interesting things that we talk about is the concept of systems research. So doing research on design systems, you know, doing research on the ways that we work together within a team, the way we implement new features, new product ideas, especially when things are really complicated and we've got a lot of platforms to worry about, a lot of products to worry about that are all intermingled and intertwined. It's a really interesting conversation. I know you're going to like it and I'll see you on the other side. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the UXR podcast. I am very excited to be joined today by the one and only Dr. Jesse Thomas, who is a senior design researcher at Xbox. Uh, Thanks for joining me, Jesse. Yeah, thanks so much for inviting me. So we've got a few things that we're going to talk about today. Um, Something that I am not particularly familiar with, so just from a personal side, this is going to be really exciting for me. Uh, which is this idea of like designing systems and researching systems, which mm-hmm. uh, until I got a recent education from you has uh, w- was completely unfamiliar. Um, so I'm really excited about that. But before we get into that, why don't we start with a little bit about your journey into research? Like, how did you end up where you are today? Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's funny. It feels like it's been forever now. So uh, I was... I was pre-med way back in the way, way back uh, when I was an undergrad at Michigan. Uh, And while I was there, I joined a lab mostly as um, advice because I needed experience to apply for med schools, right? So they're like, oh, go join a lab, get some research experience. Uh, I joined this amazing, incredible lab, um, actually all run by women, which is like super rare, uh, neuroscience lab at Michigan and fell in love. I fell completely hard in love with the research environment, the whole field, the idea that I could be curious and that curiosity got rewarded. Um, I, I what, a, just, what an amazing concept, eh? <laughs> I know, right? Because uh, it turns out, you know, there's a lot of fields where, where curiosity is, is kind of discouraged a little bit, right? It's, it's kind of the like, yeah, I love that you've got questions, but uh, we got stuff to get done. Um, where research was like, you have questions. Awesome. I have like 20 more, uh, and, and really finding a good place to thrive. Um, so as I I was doing that and got close to graduation, I was going to take my MCAT. Uh, I ended up actually walking out of my MCAT because it was the impetus I needed to be like, oh, I really don't want to do this with my life. Uh, (laughs) I I actually want to go do research. Um, yeah, my parents were not I only happy. ever made it to the MCAT course and dropped out at that point. So you made it a step further than I, I did. I did. I did. I got to testing day. Do my yeah, parents parents were not happy about that. They're like, why couldn't you have done that a year ago? Um, <laughs> from there I ended up following a postdoc of mine into uh, University of Illinois and being a lab manager for a year, um, which was a really great experience uh, for me in terms of trying out a bunch of different roles. And then was like, yep, grad school, let's do this thing. Let's do research. Um, and then applied for behavioral neuroscience um, role at University of Washington, um, studying bats. <laughs> I studied, I studied uh, specialized neurons in bats. 
for a while, um, which was very different work. Um, they, you know, bats are fascinating. I can talk about just them for an hour. Um, then I got, I have a second podcast. That's just about bat neuroscience. So I'm going to get you on that one as well. I am your girl. (laughs) I have like a whole thing at work where I do hashtag bat facts because I just think they're fascinating. There actually was a new species of bat just discovered. Anyway, I'm supposed to be talking about you are, uh, but I'm ready. (laughs) Uh, Like, let's do it next weekend. Sweet. I'm in. Uh, uh, I got pregnant my second year of grad school. And so then I started switching to something that, you know, smells slightly better than a bat, humans. Uh, and I started doing research on humans. And ultimately, upon finishing up my PhD, I was interested in kind of, hey, how can I apply my research in an industry fashion? You know, I'm kind of interested in industry roles, what's out there. And a friend reached out to me um, and kind of connected me with Xbox. And that's how I got in. Um, to this field was I had no no intention of being a user researcher. I had no idea, mm-hmm. dead honest, that it even existed. Um, but I I love it. I absolutely love it. It is the perfect mix of like research and strategy and creativity, and especially with Xbox. I mean, you're surrounded by some of the most imaginative, creative people you can imagine. I mean, they're they're not just creating, you know interesting products they're creating whole worlds (laughs) that people live in and and um you know i've worked on products where people literally tattoo characters from the products onto their body and and that's that's a total change in in anything i would have done in academia that's amazing so you know one of the things that i think is really interesting about what you're doing today is you know for at least from all of my research career i was always focused on you know, researching users for a product, right? And that's like, you know, it's focused on the user, it's focused on the product, and and that's that. Um, And I think that's probably the situation for the vast majority of researchers out there. But you do something a little bit different, um, where you research systems. And so Mm -hmm. I would love to hear a bit about, first of all, like how you define or explain what that means in, in practical terms. Um, and kind of how you kind of came about, uh, how this became a job almost, right? Because uh, it's not very common. Yeah, it's it's not very common yet, um, but it is it is on the horizon, um, is what I will say is going to happen more and more often. So um, I am a systems thinker. I will just say that I mm-hmm. think in systems, which is... Um, I can't not say like there's 900 things that are affecting this. You know, even when I was a kid, you know, you get in trouble for something. Um, and it was never like, well, I did this. So I got in trouble. It was like, well, this influenced this behavior and this came in from here. <laughs> and then when this happened over here, like clearly my options were the following. Um, my brain just kind of thinks that way. And I think that's what led me to neuroscience is neuroscience is filled with systems. They're just these beautiful layered systems all the way down from like tiny little proteins and how those interact to hormones, to the shapes of neurons, to neural circuits. Um, I love that ability to like zoom out and zoom in um, and, and watch how all those pieces connect with one, one another. And, you know, I got a, a really romantic into transcendentalism for a while and just falling in love with like, well, we're all just interconnected, but we really, really are. Um, 
And that's fascinating to me. So it's, it's been with me forever. Um, I think my background in behavioral neuroscience makes it so that when I approach a product or a group of products, I immediately think, what is the connected set of behaviors that people have when they use these things? Um, I very much see a product as just a shell for human interaction. Um, that's, that's how I think through pretty much anything. Um, and so, uh, I think I apply that, that lens and that approach to, um, design systems. And, and I'm sure there's going to be folks out there that have heard of design systems. They, they're becoming more and more popular, especially as we, as a collective, you know, our experience with entertainment or with, you know, any type of interface is now spreading across devices, right? It's not just, oh, I go on the web. Um, and especially at Xbox, it's, well, I go on my Xbox or I go on my, we have go on my phone now and I go on my PC and all of those things need to talk to each other and connect. And one way that you can do that is through a design system, something that still reflects the brand, still reflects the core behaviors, but is presented in different ways. Gotcha. Interesting. So let's talk about like what, um, what is like a typical project look like for you? Or, you know, if that's a nonsensical question, like when you think about a, a, your average Wednesday, you know, like <laughs> what are the kinds of things that you're doing? Um, you know, cause I think, I think that, I think that all that conceptually makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think, you know, it can be hard to kind of imagine or visualize what that kind of looks like in front of you of like, Oh, I, I kind of get it. Like, you know, this is the actual work that you're doing day to day. Do you have any examples or, or uh, can you kind of illustrate, you know, what that looks like in practice? Yeah. I mean, I'm still figuring it out. So like, I'll be very honest with, with a lot of this is new. Um, and, and a lot of this is me growing into being a senior design researcher and, and what that looks like, what that space looks like, especially at Xbox. Um, Xbox research has a long history of, of doing UR. We're actually celebrating our 20 years this year of, of wow. doing user research for Xbox. Um, and so I think, I think our discipline has, has spread to encompass more fuzzy areas than what we would normally do. So what I mean by that is sometimes when you work with a system, you're actually looking at a product and you're providing, you know, what I would say is kind of more standard UR. So it's best practices, it's guidance on um, a component or the design of a feature that you're looking at. You know, you're pulling in past insights that you've had from other folks. Um, you're maybe setting up a usability, you're maybe setting up, you know, we use tenants and traps as a kind of um, approach that we use or, or something else, which is with some of that standard, um, really good, well-developed UR practices. But then some of it's like really weird stuff because when you work in a design system, the people and the process are part of that system. So literally you're kind of studying your peers. Um, so you're going over and saying like, oh, okay, I'm going to observe you while you're doing your day-to-day -day life, while you are going about hmm. your work. Um, and that's, it, it's a weird space to be in, right? Of, of I think folks who have like an HR background and do UR are probably the ones that I would say feel a similar thing. It's like part of gotcha. the research we're doing is literally on our own internal culture and how do we, so would you, would you say like an example of this could be, um, 
you know, you're, someone's working on, uh, on, you know, maybe the store part of, of Xbox or something. And so you go over and you want to understand like, how are they selecting components and putting them into a particular mock or flow? Would that be an example of, you know, the kind of observation you might do? It's yeah. So yes. So it would start from a starting point of like, let's say it's the store. Now, if you're in a design system, is that more on the console store on mobile store on the web store on this? Because as it turns out, all those experiences are built by different teams and different designers and different devs. Um, but they all have to work together. Um, so a really great example of something I do every day is, Hey, this is a design I'm proposing for the store on Xbox. And I'll say, cool, how does this show up on mobile, on web, on you know, PC, on any of our other experiences? How do we ensure that there is a consistency um, across right. the, um, that still allows for form factor, but meets those needs? And then of course, for all those experiences, you also want them to be accessible. Um, so keeping an eye out for like, hey, do I, do I think we need accessibility consultation on any of these? You know, what are the guidelines on, I know you want to put the button there and it makes sense on console, but on mobile, it's totally going to break. <laughs> so you can't do it there. Um, that's a good, good idea of what I, I generally do is I, I try and pull insights. I do a lot of meta analysis, which is I look across the feedback that all the individual products got, and I try and push them together into one general recommendation that works for the system. Makes sense. So that's that's interesting. One thing that you told me last time we spoke that really stuck with me, um, which was um, thinking about. I think when we work on products, right? You know, there's there's an objective of we want to make this experience like amazing. We want to deliver a particular user impact. We want to drive a certain metric, right? It's very unidimensional. Um, you know, the, the, the kind of outcomes we're looking for. One thing that you mentioned to me last time we spoke was this concept of when you're doing stuff at a system level, it's not so much about optimizing for a particular metric or improving a particular experience. You're thinking, you know, almost first and foremost about fragility of the system mm -hmm. and how to guard against it breaking or making it not brittle, making it anti-fragile. Yeah. What, what is, what is that? Yeah. <laughs> what does that mean to you? Uh, so I do not invent the term anti-fragile. I just want to put that way out <laughs> there. There's a whole book about it. Um, amazing author. I highly suggest you guys go look it up. Um, but really this comes from economics and this comes from um, how we think about system dynamics and systems thinking. So what does it mean? It means you have to allow for the right amount of chaos. <laughs> you have to prepare and allow a system to be flexible and elastic. Um, or in terms of like design thinking, you have to find the places where it's safe to diverge, safe to be creative, mm -hmm. safe to be different. And the other places where it's not, it, it would break the system. You've pushed it too far. Um, you, you've made that seem like it doesn't belong anymore. Um, and that's, that's kind of the balance is going back and forth and being like, Hey, this, this design or this feature or this other thing you've now broken past the system. Um, it's too far. 
But if you keep it, it feels, tight, it'll break too. <laughs> it, it feels like it's a very, un, it, it, that, that might be a very unsatisfactory objective to a lot of researchers. When oh, yeah. <laughs> you, you feel like you want to pursue a truth, right? Um, yeah. And like, this is the thing when in reality, you know, it sounds like a lot of what you try and do is you're, you're balancing a million trade-offs and trying to find the right balance that, achieve, that, that, you know, goes as far as you can in like the direction of broad positivity, um, with the, with the least amount of potential catastrophic downside. Um, yes. Can you just use that as my like job description from now on? I'll just, I'll just <laughs> that up. You know, it's, it just, it feels like it's a very unsexy objective. It's a very, um, it, it, again, unsatisfactory, but it, it's, it's super important because, you know, when we get caught up as researchers focusing on the minutia, focusing on things in silos and not understand the broader context, never mind like within a product, mm-hmm. within a, a, a business even, or, or a company, yeah. but even within how that product is used in people's unique and individual lives, right? You know, it's, it's, it's when you make a new product, sometimes that creates new behaviors. Um, that sometimes that, um, when you're trying to prevent or improve something, sometimes there are secondary consequences and effects that you didn't anticipate that, you know, <laughs> sometimes can derail that positivity you try to create. And I think that, I think that that's a really interesting um, type of thing to be working on. And I wonder if you think that this is something that overseeing this kind of work is something that researchers might be uniquely well positioned to do, um, given the nature of a lot of our work. I think we're both good at it and bad at it at the same time. So it's that it's that balance right so so it's the it's the balance of what we are really good at is providing a sense of measurement and order when chaos reigns right like we're we're the good person to pull in when man there are a lot of decisions and i just feel paralyzed and i i don't know how to go forward that's that's a good time when a researcher can come in and help right like our we're real good at being like oh let me break this down into measurable bits that we can utilize to make a decision. The problem is, is that sometimes we get so focused on, I'm gonna take this and break it down into measurable bits that we forget why we were doing that anyway. Um, and sometimes we can forget that like doing that, and it kind of makes creatives feel like you're dissecting their work, right? Like you, they're watching it be torn apart in these little pieces and they can sometimes lose the soul of that. and Working at Xbox, you can't ever forget that at a high level, you're like a guardian of play, man. This we're, we're at the door of play. People look to us for play. And especially I think of like how important that is during now, during this pandemic, like having a safe place to play, how important that is to just blow off some steam and connect with people and play that it is really important that we don't, oh, well, this is just a tiny product fix. Well, that tiny product fix can have really long downstream effects. You know, if you change the way that people can't find games in the store or that you change something here and we want to test that, that might like have this downstream effect where suddenly they don't, they don't know if they can trust that they'll find what they need in time. And I can't help but take like take that really 
intently and passionately about like, man, someone should be able to get into this thing and get to that game and have as much fun as possible with me as much out of the way as I possibly can be. Because that's my job, right? My job is to help make sure that you get to the playground as easily as possible um, and, and could just go and have fun the way you want to. And so it is that constant search of like, is this feature going to introduce toxicity? Is this feature going to make that journey to the playground harder? Um, any way that I can go in and make that easier so that the only thing that that person has to worry about is having fun, cool. That's my job. That, that, that's, that's beautifully said. Um, so I want to end on, on a question for you. I know you already mentioned that you think that there will be many more systems researchers yeah. uh, in the not too distant future, which I think is a really exciting uh, area to explore. What do you think are the big steps that we need to take, you know, one or a couple of these as a discipline to improve, broadly speaking? Um, where do you see the big areas uh, of improvement, areas for change within our discipline broadly that, that you'd like to see come, come soon? It's scary and it freaks people out, but I think we got to break waterfall. <laughs> and so what I mean by that for folks, um, you know, if, if you've heard of waterfall development, it's kind of the handoff nature of stuff, right? It's, it's the like, oh, it goes, a PM decides the features and then it goes to a designer and then they hand it off and they get, you know, they'll test that it. That sounds super fun, right? Oh, it's so much fun. I love when you are <laughs> is used as a verb, like, oh, did you, you are this? And I was like, oh, I thought I was a human. But... I didn't realize I was a verb. Um, <laughs> Uh, that can't exist in a system style world. And, and to be honest, I can see those barriers already breaking down, right? Like we're, we're getting involved earlier and early in the process. It's going to be one of those things where designers are going to learn how to code more and devs are going to learn more about design and researchers have to learn more about both. I don't think we can get away with not knowing code and not knowing design anymore. I think all of us are going to be kind of these like squishy overlapping things where we work together for a while and, and really feel that out. That's what happens in a design system is, is it's devs and designers speaking the same language and, and even building code literally together um, through like design tokens and stuff. So what I would say for researchers is one, have some grace and like be totally flexible to kind of say, hey, I might not know a lot about design or I might not know a lot about code. Um, and instead of kind of reverting to our like, ivory tower of academia and science, <laughs> um, just like understand that, hey, this, this is going to get fuzzy. Like designers and devs are getting just as much pressure to learn more about research as we are getting trying to like bring them here. So instead of being really concerned or really protective of your space, let it, let it be a little bit more porous. Like let people come into your lane a little bit and vice versa, ask, learn, do it, do so graciously, but ask if you can kind of like learn about the other lanes as well. Um, I think it goes a long way into building trust. And, and to be honest, like it, it gives me the option to like, I get to help design, right? But I, I, I get to do that because there is a trust there. There's a flexibility there. It's, it's the ability to adapt. Um, we know you're rigorous. We know you know science. They know that. Like, we don't have to defend that anymore. Like, let's, how can you adapt and, and evolve 
to 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 push the envelope to to learn new things. I love I love that. I mean, I think it's very easy to you know. Uh, I think there's been a lot of uh, hard work to try and get ourselves to a comfort zone and it feels really nice and cozy here, but I think it's definitely, I totally agree with you. It's time to already break out of it because, <laughs> you know, we, you know, we've been fighting to kind of break out of silos for a long time and like being on, you know, being more involved. And, and now if we don't continue that process, we're going to silo ourselves again in, in, in a way, which is probably not the best. Probably um, not so great. No. Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, Jesse, this has been such a wonderful conversation. Thank you so much for for sharing a bit about your work, um, and and sharing some recommendations for everyone out there. Um, you know, is, is there a place that people can can follow you? Like, do you do the LinkedIn's? Do you do the Twitters? Um, <laughs> or is it just you know occasional mysterious podcast? Uh, episodes that that you're going to jump on from time to time. Oh yeah, that's my that's my plan. Um, I do do the <laughs> twitters, um, so I am Jessa Birdie on Twitter. Um, I it's actually my gamer tag too because Xbox man. Um, heyo, heyo, uh, and uh, yeah, I am on LinkedIn. I'm under uh, Jesse Thomas. Um, I, I think probably Twitter is the best way to connect with me because I like having open conversations with folks. So. Uh, yeah, would love to connect with anyone. That's awesome. Well, thanks so much for the conversation and uh, looking forward to, uh, in the not too distant future, a part two where you can tell us uh, what <laughs> what the future of systems research looks like uh, and, and <laughs> like look, look ahead another 10 years. Design systems, part two, electric boogaloo. I'm in, let's do it. <laughs> love it. Okay, cool. I'll talk to you soon. All right, thanks so much. Hey there, thanks for tuning in to this episode of the UXR podcast. If you're looking for great research content to consume and learn and grow, head over to joinlearners.com where you're going to see lots of amazing research talks, including a bunch from this past UXR conf. It's completely free to use now, and we're really excited about the fact that now it's going to be accessible to everyone. Uh, so don't forget to check it out. And if you have any feedback for us, please feel free to send us a message. We'd love to hear from you. See you next time.